Hello, welcome to Conversations at the Whole Note. This is David Perlman here. I uh, have a couple of guests coming in right off the top. I think the theme is of this one is uh, Guy Fawkes Day. Um, and I have a couple of guests coming in who have concerts uh, on Guy Fawkes Day, I'm sure entirely accidentally, but all kinds of coincidences. Uh, guests in the house are going to be Noel Edison, who conducts the Toronto Mendelssohn Choir, and Stephanie Martin, who conducts the Pax Christi Chorale. And they are two of three choirs that have productions of Mendelssohn's Elijah on November the 5th. The third is Robert Cooper and Chorus Niagara, but uh, Bob will be joining us a little bit later on in this podcast. So uh, two productions of Mendelssohn's, arguably his greatest oratorio, certainly his last, and uh, both happening on the 5th of November. The good news is that Pax Christie is also doing theirs on the 6th of November, so you'll actually be able to take in more than one if you so desire. So uh, let's let's uh, get started. Hello, Noel. David, how are you? Nice to be back. <clears throat> nice to have you back. Hello, Stephanie. Hi, David. Nice to have you back, too. Great to be here. Um, so, first performance of Mendelssohn's Elijah was in Birmingham in 1846. I was racking my brains as to why, why all of a sudden on the same day, other than the lack of existence of a conflict calendar for choirs in the city of Toronto or a limited number of days in the week, uh, wondering if there was some particular significance to this particular year or this particular date. It's 170th anniversary, I suppose, of the of the thing. But Birmingham, 1846, and uh, I looked at my notes and it said that in that first production there was an orchestra of 125, um, 93 strings, doubled woodwinds, and a choir of 79 sopranos, 60 male altos, 60 tenors, and 72 basses. And I was wondering, in terms of the two productions that you're doing, how those kinds of assembled paramilitary forces <laughs> actually jive or don't with what you're going to be doing and how you're going to be approaching it. Well, let Stephanie start. <laughs> well, we have a hundred singers, mm -hmm. uh, pretty well balanced in Pax Christi, but we'd never accommodate an orchestra that big. Um, mostly because it would cost a great deal. Mm -hmm. But um, there are a lot of those Victorian oratorios where you do see um, an optional group playing and doubling to get a really huge sound. Um, but um, ours will be a little bit scaled back from that. And mm -hmm. um, really, with modern instruments, the balance is better with a smaller orchestra. Mm -hmm. As uh, in 1846, those people would probably still have been playing on gut strings and 
uh, trombones with uh, smaller bores. That makes a huge difference because Elijah is often accompanied by a chorus of trombones. Modern trombone just blows the singer away. But uh, the 1846 orchestra would have been just, just a little bit lighter. So you could probably accommodate a few more more players. And a lot of those backbench players would only have played at very climactic points when everyone everyone is playing and it's very exciting. And mm-hmm. the big Birmingham Town Hall organ would be screaming away. It would, would have been quite grand. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, coincidentally, or not coincidentally, um, on our tour this summer, Pax Christie visited Birmingham because that was such a hotbed for oratorio composition and it was great to be there and see where Mendelssohn premiered Elijah where Judith was premiered where uh, Dream of Gerontius and the Apostles were premiered it's mm-hmm. uh, just um, an amazing center for innovation at the time mm-hmm. and you you know uh, back in 1846 Everything was much grander then. I mean, even the work itself uh, speaks of that Victorian sentiment of Mm. grandiosity. And uh, even Messiah performances were of hundreds of, even thousands of people. Um, And it was not only just a town endeavor, it was a city endeavor. Everyone was involved. Mm -hmm. So that was the sort of the, the thinking and the makeup of performances of that ilk back in those in that generation now as stephanie referred to of course the the development of the modern instrument but also the development of the of the singer yeah they're much stronger more uh, focused more uh, educated um and um i think generally more equipped as um as artists in a singing ensemble uh, the educational component has been extremely strong and uh, has developed over those 150 years. The, uh, so Mendelssohn's Elijah, just like um, Elgar's Gerontius or any of those big Victorian works, they do require a certain force in order for it to, to come off the page. I mean, you can't scale it down like you're doing a Bach motet. But uh, you can still, you know, you don't need the grand numbers that they once did. I think our orchestra is about 50 or so, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And the choir is 120, 130. But it's, uh, you know, I, I work very hard to make sure they, uh, they really are thin and refined and disciplined, not lazy and over-cholesterol-ridden vocally. As I know, Stephanie does the same thing because it's this 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 Victorian writing can turn into sentimental garbage so quickly mm. and become very saccharine because it's one bloody nice tune after another. In this one, yes. Well, Elijah, mm. it's just it's 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 just as Bramwell Tovey once said to me. I don't know why you like this piece, Noel. It's like God is in every bar. <laughs> I said, well, Bramwell, maybe that's because that's the reason why I do like it. <laughs> Goddess drinking companion, depending on what kind of bar you're talking about in All right. context. Um, yeah, in, interesting 60 altos, male altos, in, in the first performance. No women involved in, in anything other than the soprano sections. That's quite a... I know well, all the cathedral saying, choirs would be male. So would, 
So it would have been very sure. much the a product of of the church choir environment. That I'm I'm surprised to hear that they were all male altos because usually it was mixed up for festival mm -hmm. occasions. Mm -hmm. You'd have really? the the core of the cathedral trained singers, but then there would be amateur singers who would join. So I'm surprised to read that you said that they were all men. Mm -hmm. It's the Novello edition that says it, not okay. me. So all right. ah. take their word for it. Um, so, so for people, for people who don't, who don't know the work at all, I'm sure there are some in our audience. Um, oratorio, um, operatorio. What would you call it? I mean, it's obviously <clears throat> oratorio in the, in the sense that we know with with the. Well, it has the principles of oratorio: chorus, orchestra, soloists, recits, arias, <clears throat> all those components. But it's not an oratorio; it's an opera. It's Mendelssohn's opera. It's through composed. Yeah. It never stops except an intermission. Mm -hmm. It chugs right along. It tells the biblical story. It's got hail, fire, and brimstone. It's all Old Testament, Book of Kings and the mm -hmm. Psalms. You have the resurrection of a dead youth. You have the ascension of Elijah in a fiery chariot. You yeah. have the, the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, play, the water on, on Israel, the, the blight of water. You got all the components of an opera in it. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of love duets in it between yeah. the mother and the and the bass and uh, and then even in the choruses between the archangels and the heavenly and the earthly choir, um, it really is. Uh, it's 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 in its scope, in its oratorio confines. It is it is quite operatic. Pick up on that, Stephanie, because you're actually doing this with bicycle opera aren't you yep that's right so we're we're playing up the the dramatic elements mm -hmm. um by collaborating with this wonderful young group the bicycle opera yeah. um who basically perform new opera a lot of new canadian opera so it's a stretch for them to sing a big romantic piece and it's a stretch for us to to do a bit of dramatization um, it, it will not be operatic in that there will be sets flying in and out and, right. and anything like that. But I think essentially what Mendelssohn really wanted in his libretto was an exchange between characters, a meaningful dialogue, not uh, just singing to the book or right. parking and barking. It was to be a real dramatic exchange between the, the four soloists. So Bicycle Opera is going to animate it in that way, and we also have a lighting designer. We're just trying to break down some of the conventions of oratorio that are maybe mm -hmm. strange to a younger audience, and we are offering a third performance for students as well. Oh, okay. uh, we're opening up our dress rehearsal as a, a preview so that we can reach out to a younger audience. Mm -hmm. And uh, probably Bicycle Opera, is the, they're the best people to do this because yeah. they're... Um, they will uh, really bring it off the page. So it's a little bit of a different approach to mm -hmm. Elijah. Um, as Noel said, all the dramatic elements are there. So it's so just really playing that up. Your soloists are all from Bicycle Opera? Or that's, Prince, that's So that's correct. Jeff Surrett is yes. your Elijah, right? That's right. <clears throat> and uh, uh -huh. 
Christopher Enns is our tenor. Right. Larissa Koniak at the soprano, yeah. and Marjorie Maltez is the uh, mezzo. Okay. So they're a quart- we've hired the entire the, company. The entire core ensemble. Yeah, from, so they're used to working opera. together. Right. They can spin ideas, and you know when someone does something, they can react. Mm-hmm. They, they know and trust each other very well on stage. So does the collaboration extend to... Uh, kinetic elements for the choir or are they still going to be mostly stand and sing? The choir is going to try to break down a few oratorio uh, conventions in that they're, they won't be wearing black. They'll be dressed a little bit differently so our lights will reflect off them nicer. Mm-hmm. And uh, a group of them will be doing a little bit of action, not over the top, but just to bring it a little bit closer to mm. our audience, just to break down that fourth wall a little mm. bit. Now, the great challenge would be not to group them by voice, but to use the full operatic convention of mixing them up into little tableau, but that's quite an ask a for a piece singers, like this. Yeah. Well, hundred, you wouldn't know where to look at the any music, given moment. The music does set up a kind of geography, because mm-hmm. a lot of Mendelssohn's double choir writing in this piece has the women against the men. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's not SATB. Choir one, SATB choir two, mm-hmm. but it's the high, the high sounds and the low sounds. So uh, we're playing with that too, seating okay. the choir in a, a little bit of a different way. Mm-hmm. Are your soloists, uh, Stephanie? Uh, are they physically moving on stage, or are they just gesturing on stage? I'm not going to give away the surprise. (laughs) Right. I understand. You'll have to come to the show on Sunday (laughs) after you've conducted on Saturday. But speaking of soloists, I was looking at at some of the the lineups of of soloists for this, and I was starting to think, well, this this almost has the potential to be like, you know, dueling messiahs where people are looking at the listing to see who's got... Who's God Who? I remember the I remember the days when I remember one Messiah where Howard Howard <coughs> Dick at uh, Grand Philharmonic managed to line up Susie LeBlanc, Daniel Taylor, uh, Ben Hepner, and I've forgotten who the bass was, but it was the time Gary Relier. It wasn't Gary for that one. Although, okay. by the way, Gary's going to be singing Elijah with the Stratford Choir in Is March. He? Good. So there's a fourth one wow. that's down the road. Um, but it it strikes me that that the that the role of Elijah is is one of these super well who's your Elijah going to be kind of who is your Elijah going to be no um, it, it's he's not known at all in Canada David uh, Pitzinger he's an American making his debut and um, when i was searching uh, i wouldn't say he was my first choice but i'm glad now that he is um, he comes from a musical theater background mm-hmm. and opera background, and he has done some significant oratorios. He's, he's very well known in the States, but I wanted somebody with that theatrical background mm-hmm. for this role. Um, it's, it's a quite an imposing role. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's a monumental thing, mm-hmm. both emotionally and physically. Um, and you needed somebody that had a, a very flexible voice um, and somebody who's got some good theatrical 
thinking about their musical phrasing mm -hmm. because it's a real pull and push piece mm -hmm. and it's got to connect in and out of choruses and with other singers and it's they are the constant they're the the main voice of the oratorio mm -hmm. so i'm th i'm i'm really looking forward to it. and it's his first elijah he's done many other oratorios uh, yeah. i can't remember what they all are i mean he's 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 a well-seasoned singer but uh, mm -hmm. so i'm pleased to um, and who's and you've you've got uh, Jeff. Jeff, Jeff, it's also Jeff his, is fantastic. Singer. His first Elijah, is it? believe it yeah. or not, yeah. Uh. And uh, I, I just recently heard him sing uh, Prince Igor with Bob Cooper's um, opera in concert. So right. There's a uh, we're all connected here, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very small world. Yeah, it is. Um, Unfortunately, we do not consult about our dates, but I'm glad to know it's, I'm glad to know it's Guy Fawkes. That's kind of appropriate. Yeah, it's Guy Fawkes. Well, I mean, fiery chariots, oh, and, and God knows there's enough fire in the whole thing, isn't there? fire everywhere. It's interesting how it moves uh, in terms of getting back to this <clears> idea of, <throat> of the operatorio, or the, the kind of the opera in oratorio form, which was, of course, what they had to disguise them as in Rome a couple of centuries sure. before that for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it really, it really does go through these, you know, Miracle 1 uh, air, and then Miracle 2 is... It goes through the all the elements, and it goes through them in sequence, and then it recapitulates them all in the context of, of the earth moving at the end of the thing. Mm -hmm. It's extraordinary that way. Um, Mendelssohn's, first, uh, Mendelssohn's first Elijah was uh, Joseph Staudigl. He was an Austrian... Uh, bass, who he'd been at Covent Garden for two or three years before that, mm -hmm. so he also pulled in uh, a strongly, a strongly well, operatic. You, yeah, I voice. mean, y you do need somebody who's got a significant um, heft of sound, mm -hmm. and that's not just weight of sound, but a, 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 a incredible presence of sound. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know Jeff. Jeff is a fantastic singer. Um, mm -hmm. uh, as soon as Elijah steps out, it's um, there's a sort of introduction before the overture where Elijah yeah. appears. It's almost like a spotlight yeah. on him and the curse. Just, yes, exactly. And that yeah. that curse motive recurs all the way through mm -hmm. the piece. Oh, it does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then there's that there's that little the little <coughs> overture that that follows where there's some delightful which Mendelssohn did not want to include. But it was his Bartholomew. Bartholomew, the English librettist, him. right? Yeah, he said if you're going to do an oratory, you need to put an overture in there. Mm -hmm. And there's a back and forth between them where where Bartholomew. It's a great overture says, too. I love that overture. It's a fantastic overture. It's the, well the conceived. The fugue yeah. is just fantastic, yeah. with a wonderful great. climactic. Uh, yeah. Entrance for a chorus. Yeah, there's there's a letter where Bartholomew says to Mendelssohn, "Now it has to cover three years in the overture, because the curse is there, and then the time when the people come in to say, oh, are we thirsty? Oh, are we hungry? Three years have elapsed I see. since right. the curse, so that right. overture was." crafted to cover then it has all those triplets in those three note isn't that motifs in wow. it, which is an interesting little detail i have to confess i like the first act a lot more than i do the second mm. 
myself in terms, I, I feel this, maybe I'm wrong, but I had the feeling that Mendelssohn himself was dealing with an incredible conflict in terms of, well, if this is operatic, then the characters and the blood and the guts and the Old Testament aspects of the thing really have to take precedence, but that his original librettist was saying, well, look, if this is oratorio in a truly Christian sense, then we've got to get away from the sensual and into a more elevated realm at the end of things. That's that's my take. I don't know what you think about it. Well, I was actually just last night rehearsing the final choruses of Elijah. Um, I I sort of disagree with you. I think mm-hmm. there's some absolutely fantastic stuff. That one with the men go, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's emotionally quite shattering mm-hmm. and how it sets itself up um, where it, how, what comes out of it and how it leads into it um, after the still small voice of calm it's, 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 the, the theater is, is quite strong straight to the end I do a few cuts at the end oh, you do? not a lot I do that second last quartet I, or that thing I nix uh, it's sort of um, um, just that one and another little chorus that I don't think is as strong. But generally, I think it's it holds together. It like holds a, together. Yeah, rates. The, the first half is longer than the second half. I mean, mm-hmm. the first half is and has got. I would agree with you a little more theatrical meat to it. Mm-hmm. But the second half is not weak. It's and, and the yeah. final chorus, the final few gets is terrific. Mm-hmm. And the Amen is not as extended as the handle Amen of Worthy as a Lamb, but it's just as powerful. Mm-hmm. Just as powerful. What's Don't your you agree? Take? Yeah, no, I would agree that the second half is really, that's where Elijah's character, uh, we get to see inside his humanity. That's where, after Jezebel um, plans to murder him, and he's had all this hardship, he says, it's enough. Yeah. Lord, take away my life. He he really is contemplating yeah. suicide, and fortunately, he's visited by some angels, and he changes mm-hmm. his mind. And yeah. then he has that <clears throat> uh, lovely aria for the mountains shall depart. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think some of the really emotional music comes in the second half. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as uh, theatrical with fire. Yeah, more internal, more internal, but yeah. no less powerful. Yeah, yeah fair more enough, personal. I think that's right. This is my own my own reading of it, but that that at some level, this is where I see a kind of war within himself in in this piece. That he just wanted it to be at some level a good old fashioned Old Testament drama. With didn't he say somewhere, I wanted to be a prophet like the ones we could use a healthy dose of today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Words to that mm-hmm. effect. Yeah. Um, but that there was some kind of constraint on him. Well, I shouldn't say a constraint on him, but that there were these dueling impulses in him. You know. That well, if a composer didn't have a dueling impulse, they wouldn't be a composer in the first place. True. You want to talk about Mahler? Yeah. You want to talk about Beethoven? You want to talk about anyone? I mean, if you don't have conflict somewhere within your DNA, you're not going to be able to create something artistic on a page. Mm-hmm. However, that aside, uh, 
I think Mendelssohn is at his almost his most righteous uh, religious self in this piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, at whatever standpoint, at whatever view you want to come at it with, um, he is absolutely of a belief of a, of a greater influence. Mm-hmm. It's there in the page. Um, he is conv- I, I'm sh- I'm I'm sure he's convinced of the Old Testament mm-hmm. and all the biblical wizardry that went on. If he isn't, he did a bloody fine job of penning it. Mm-hmm. Because as a as a performer who's done it many many times, I'm st- I always come back to it saying, this guy actually believes what he's writing. Mm-hmm. Always, I mean, there's there's no there's no hidden agenda here, and it's very forthright. And you know, the the, the musical language is rather conventional, and Mendelssohn is not as, as I would say as like his third symphony uh, or his fourth symphony. But it's certainly the easy appeal component of it is um, has got a, a wonderful human language in its harmonic um, in its harmonic path. It's it's it, I find it very honest and very um, very appealing. I don't get bored of it. I don't get tired of it. I've come to it many, many times. Maybe this is why on my anniversary with Mendelssohn, I chose it. Maybe this is why Bob's choose it for his anniversary. You don't have an anniversary as such here, do you, with <laughs> your choir? I sure do. You do. It's your last year with it. Well, it's my 20th as well. Oh, it's your 20th as well. 30th. Yeah. Here we are. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. So, what, so, so as chorus directors, we've all chosen this big work. Yeah, we, funny. Probably because we sang it when we were younger, too. Yeah, but, I never um, did. Oh, okay. I was just uh, reflecting on the, the Jewish aspect of this because I, just, I find whenever I am studying a big score, it's just like the universe offers up the right thing at the right time. Mm-hmm. And I happened to have spent the weekend in a Jewish home and experienced uh, Shabbat blessing of mm-hmm. bread for the first time in my life. So... I had this tiny window into into Jewish culture, and coincidentally, um, Elijah is our fall concert, and the Apostles by Elgar is our spring concert, mm-hmm. for which we need to find a shofar player. So I'm putting it out on the po- podcast <laughs> right. for an orchestral sho- uh, right. shofar player. Well, if you find someone who can play the shofar and the Ophiclaid, then you can do Mendelssohn's yes, original right. score for this one as well. Yeah. Who's your youth? Is that out of the opera? That will be um, a boy from St. Michael's Choir School. Okay. Yeah. okay. And yours? I'm still on a hunt for one. Uh-huh. I've, on the I've um, tried a couple. Huh. That's why I was asking. Some great children's <laughs> choirs in town. They yeah. It's fantastic usually, children's um, choirs. But yeah. the Toronto Children's have a concert that night. Everyone's performing that night. Yeah. So That's an extraordinary sequence in the in the piece when when the youth is looking for the mm-hmm. out for the rain. That call and response between between the prophet and the youth. No, I have to go back on what I said earlier. The drama in the second half is is much more internal, but it's extraordinarily still there and, mm-hmm. and oh, yes. potent through the whole thing. One of the things that I felt listening to it was that in, in a way which I couldn't describe musically that, that at the overture is very much living with 
Bach's influence. Right. And by the end, he's squarely in in the handle that mm-hmm. uh, that the that the British absolutely. There's a whole worshipped. a whole lot of a whole lot of Bach Is in there? Elijah. Yes. Well, all of the fugues. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Mendelssohn was an organist and uh-huh. loved to play fugues, so he understood those so well. And that one aria where Elijah is um, lamenting his life with the cello solo, you can think mm-hmm. of, that sounds very much like some of the passion music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can escape that. Yeah. And Handel? I mean, oh, oh, it's riddled throughout as well, and yeah. more so in the choruses. Yeah. And to me, more and more frenetically as it gets towards the, the conclusion. You even have these chorales in here, these big chorales that are interspersed at, some, at the end of some of the choruses. Mm-hmm. What else? I don't have to drive this. What, what are your thoughts about the, about the thing? In general? <laughs> Generally, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. It's, uh, it's a piece I've lived with since I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, have sung in the chorus and uh, conducted it the first time with Pax Christi 1998 and um, it's a fabulous piece. Mm-hmm. Is it as much fun, would you say it's a piece that's as much fun for the singers as for the audience? Yeah, very much so. Absolutely, yeah. there's so many choruses so the choir really loves singing it. How long, how long has, have your crews been how long have they known and how long have they been prepping for it? Well, we all, I just started three weeks ago. Um, we started last week with our first rehearsal. Yeah. When did they have their scores? Ooh, right then. Right yeah. then? Okay, yeah. come to the first wow. rehearsal, get your score. Mm-hmm. Have any of your choristers done it before? Yes, a number of them would have sung it in 1998. Okay, because mm-hmm. okay. I asked the other night and I said, how many who have not and about wow. 70% of the choir had wow. not. Really? Because yeah, this, big this was really the, the signature piece of Mendelssohn Choir, right? Yeah. But it's been a while, and the choir has changed dramatically in the past sure. five years. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Well, that speaks to the, what you were saying earlier about the quality of the singers and the quality of preparation that people... I mean, technical readiness that people have to bring to, bring to the work. Well, I've got to say um, that uh, with the new process I've brought in on the audition front in the past five years, that uh, the reading ability of the choir is is superb. We have, in three rehearsals, basically have the whole work down. Now we're going back to polish. And that's not been the case uh, for a good 14 years of my work with this organization. Mm. It's just the whole different approach about who gets in. Mm-hmm. And as I think I've said to you before, that, uh, you know, it's, they go through a rigorous discipline uh, rhythm test. Mm-hmm. And if they pass that, then they walk through the door and I listen to them sing. Mm-hmm. But if they can't read rhythm, I don't want them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's a whole new ball game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's unfortunate to, because some people say, well, if I hear it once, I said, yeah. Yeah, I don't need more passengers. Mm-hmm. I need you to be able to, to be able to read it at, at first shot. So that's made a huge change, and that's why the choir has changed so mm-hmm. significantly. And it's also because, and I'm sure it's the same for, for um, Stephanie and for Bob's group, that you know, within a given year, we go through an 
you know, a hell of a lot of music. And if you, you know, you've got to be able to put these things down quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so otherwise it's, you know, it's, it's a very long, arduous process. And it's, so that, that, that so this, to that extent, I'm excited that, you know, about 70% of my group have never done it before. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are much younger and they are all fine. They think it's just fantastic. So it's exciting. It is exciting. Yeah, I think all our choirs are, are getting better. And uh, I know the experience of singing throughout the summer whilst on tour has really um, improved our That's singing in, Those level are valuable, too. aren't they? Yeah. So you took recording. the whole choir on tour over the summer? Ha- about half the choir went on tour. Uh-huh. You said that before we started that you went to Birmingham, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we got to... Um, got to spend some time in a lot of the places where the composers that we love found their inspiration had their home so we walked on the Malvern Hills and pulled Mm -hmm. the music out of the air and then visited Elgar's grave at the bottom of the hills and sang by memory around his grave as a sunbeam hit the headstone and a white butterfly went by it's one Mm. of those amazing moments when you're on tour with a group that you can't plan yeah, but wow. we had some spectacular moments like that, and that will inform some future performance in a way that you couldn't. Yes, acquire yeah. any other way makes the whole spirit more profound when you understand where the music came from mm. and and uh, what the geography is and the buildings in which it was sung. Mm-hmm. So, for a jaded twenty-first century audience going in. To this, what would, what would why would they be jaded? Oh, because that's that's what some people are. But assume <laughs> assume for the for my question the existence of a jaded or skeptical or not quite sure what to expect audience. What would you tell them to let go of at the door? It's funny in because order to fully yeah experience this. We, uh, we can sometimes come at it from our perspective because we know this works so well and have done it many times, but many more people in the audience will have no connection with the work and have not heard it. So mm-hmm. um, I, think, I think our audience is going to enter with anticipation, mm-hmm. especially when they know that that fantastic bicycle opera troupe is going to <laughs> do something wonderful with the work. Mm-hmm. Well, if you've had any uh, time with Mendelssohn at any point in your life, um, you will not be disappointed upon this first hearing or even second hearing of this epic work. Mm -hmm. Um, It has all the components of the best uh, choral theater you can find. I'd put it even ahead of Messiah, if you have to think of it, or even a Carmina Burana. Um, the uh, the balance of the soloist, the the writing, is is absolutely true to the vocal form, and the text underlay, even though in the English, can be a little tricky in spots, but uh, it it really flies uh, beautifully with the uh, and balances gr- brilliantly with the orchestra colors underneath. Um, uh, and it's got all the components of a really dramatic evening, mm-hmm. um, if you keep it going. Uh, 
If you stop and start it, it dies on the vine, just like Messiah does. I always think Messiah is an an opera too. It should just keep ripping right along. When my parents used to host the Messiah parties at the end of the symphony performances back in the 50s, before I was born, (laughs) nice to say, um, mom used to say, it was with Cernest, the uh, performances started at 8 and at Massey, and it would finish at 20 past 1. And the parties would start at 2.30 in the morning up at the house. Goodness. All the repeats. Isn't that? That's I mean, the overture would take 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, um, but, you know, that's... And I'm surprised the original Mendelssohn's Elijah performance is not yet over. Great. Any other thoughts? Hope you can come. Oh, I just have to figure out which one. (laughs) Well, she's. You've got several options. You can see Knowles on Saturday and mine on Sunday. Mm -hmm. We're webcasting. Or or, or come to the student preview. We'll let you in. All right. You're you're always a student, right, David? Always always a student. Always learning. Always trying to. Yeah. Now, this is great. This is this is interesting. So it. Uh, All right. I want to ask a question. Are you using the church organ? Yes. In the thing, yeah. We don't and have one. No. Are you in? Where is your venue? Kerner. No organ in Kerner no, Hall. I'm that's bringing in an instrument. Yeah, that's a tricky thing, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah. it's the one thing that's. Uh, however. <clears throat> and of course, Mendelssohn really had to write in an organ part because of the Birmingham town organ, which everyone is so proud of. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Stephanie, you probably know this better than I do. Did he not write it first, really, in German and then put it into English yeah, for the his premiere? Li- his librettist did, but it was almost a simultaneous it was, translation. Yeah. Yeah. Exercise. And yeah. the first performance was definitely in English. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But some people do choose to perform it in German. I've never really understood that. Well, Rilling always did. Yeah? Yeah. I, I read it in the, in the score I was following. I have to say, I, th- I thought that the German was... That, the, that in fact, the, the German was much more powerful. It is, actually. It's, it's just like... The, the choice of certain notes that certain words fall with. I agree. That the Bartholomew translation... I, I listened to one on YouTube. Well, German is far more active yeah. language, and it's and far more... passive constructions yes. in the translation of it. I was listening to a, a, a YouTube recording with Thomas Hampson, and they, they, they used a different translation, so I was listening to one set of words and then reading the German and English... In the Sorry, they were doing it in German or English? In English, but... It would have been the, the Shaw. Would that have been the Shaw? Yeah. And there were certain moments at which I just said, aha, that's like the German, the noun is here, the verb is there, and the power is either in mm. the verb or the noun as it might be. But nevertheless, it's an extraordinary mesmerizing ride. And uh, people who come to either of these productions will get to take it. I agree with you, David. The German is actually, I've contemplated a couple of times myself, I find it far more vivid and exciting, especially in, in some of the, in the choruses. And the, the German text is far more active and fiery, and it just 
it, the, the, the activity of that language, just like in the Bach Passions. I mean, they sort of pale when you go into English. Mm. Um, but then you but, lose the immediacy for the audience. Well, not necessarily, no? because no, because you don't really? lose it when you go to operas. You have surtitles, you have a, you know translations all over the place. What do you but think? I believe in it because it's the premiere was in English, uh-huh. and it is so English in its construction as such. Uh-huh. What do you think? Singing in German would be very meaningful some, for some people in our choir because it is their heritage language. Right. But I would be thinking of the audience. The audience not um, having to try to peer at... Right, because we are looking for real immediacy in this performance. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Really to bring it off the page. So the commercial, November 5th, 7.30, Pax Christi, Mendelssohn at Grace Church on the Hill. And November the 5th at 7.30, Toronto Mendelssohn Choir, Elijah's Mendelssohn at Kerner Hall. And coming up, November 5th at 7.30, Chorus Niagara, Mendelssohn's Elijah at Partridge Hall. First Ontario Performing Arts Centre. Yeah, it's the brand new concert hall. Brand new hall. It's a great one, actually. Uh, it's the Peter Partridge Hall. Peter and Janet Partridge Hall, actually. Great. Thank you both. Thank Thanks you. Thank you, David. Thanks for inviting us.